Are you satisfied with your understanding of sustainability? If not, like me, imagine a journey together. A pluralistic one with innovators, startup, academia, NGO, all together looking for solution to the greatest challenge of our time. I'm Samuel Ettini, and this is the Sustainability Journey. Welcome to another episode. And today I'm pleased to be in what I call my home country in Kenya. We are here discussing the important role of innovation and finance with the CEO of the Kenya Climate Venture, Victor Diege. I'm really excited to be here because it's really an, a, such an important topic, innovation, financing. Before going there, of course, I'm sure the people are a bit curious to hear about your background. What is your journey? How you have become, you know, a change maker in this area? Thanks a lot, Samuel. I think my journey to where I am today and what I do today uh, started over, over 15 years ago. Having graduated uh, as an agricultural economist, I began to work with um, a local community-based organization that was uh, you know, supporting smallholder farmers to be able to um, produce better and uh, also document you know, applicable farming practices and communicate this to the world. That is how I began. And uh, over the years, I worked in um, uh, several sectors. Uh, you know, I continued with, the, with agriculture, uh, got involved in um, forestry and natural resource management. You know, that was also the period when um, the new Forest Act in Kenya that recognized the involvement of forest adjoining communities to be able to participate in sustainable utilization and protection of forests and conservation. So I got involved in that, worked with a number of social enterprises. So still uh, driving on the quest to be able to understand the convergence of, of social and economic support and participation within communities, how that can drive sustainable uh, community development and growth. So. Then uh, having worked you know, in the NGO world for some time, I, I chose to make a shift. I joined private sector, moved to work with uh, KPMG East Africa here in Nairobi. At that time, there was a lot of um, development projects which were being supported by DFIs. Even the big firms like uh, KPMG were interested on the outlook of uh, socioeconomic uh, support for communities and how they can work together with the development institutions to be able to drive the impact agenda, mostly for rural markets. So I joined the International Advisory Services Department of KPMG East Africa. And yes, began now to look beyond Kenya. So uh, manage the projects which were looking at, uh, uh, you know, the entire Africa, resilience projects in, uh, in water management, agribusiness, renewable energy technologies that were being implemented by private sector, mostly very early stage and at startup phases, you know, looked at certain projects working on uh, flood controls and flood management in Southeast Asia. So it's been very interesting. And then now, after a number of years uh, working with KPMG, I transitioned to join Africa Enterprise Challenge Fund, you know, now to directly look at portfolio enterprises which are uh, creating change uh, you know change makers in various rural 
peri-urban markets in Africa. So at one point, um, I remember we were looking at 19 countries in sub-Saharan Africa, and it was very interesting learning from the, the happenings in the South, in East Africa, West Africa, and also looking at the fragile markets post-conflict. So looking at areas like, uh, like Somalia, uh, you know, looking at how private sector can uh, thrive in uh, in such transitioning markets. So, so very interesting. And then the last one is uh, uh, during COVID, I joined Kenya Climate Ventures. Still drive the same agenda, but in a different institution. Very interesting and very diverse journey from the NGO, the social world, which I'm sure you are bringing, of course, that perspective into the private sector and how to unlock and give impact even to a larger scale. And I wanted to ask a question like linked to your experience and, and you say the enterprises, the funds, how we can foster innovation in emerging economies? Which are your lessons learned from all your journey? Innovations are very important in ensuring that there is um, very responsive and context-driven development from the sense of uh, the kind of socioeconomic support and the kind of socioeconomic impacts that emerge out of um, innovations. Innovations are very important for the market because, you know, innovations are basically new products, new solutions, new ways of, of trying to do new things. And some of it is also very much embedded on older solutions. It's actually an improvement from whichever aspect, you know, an improvement for the markets, an improvement for the communities, an improvement for the public sector, an improvement for the private sector. Uh, but then over the years, there have been um, certain challenges. As you are aware, whenever there's an innovation, there is usually three perspectives. One is the resources required to be able to drive that innovation to create impact and continue to create long-lasting impact. The other bit is the expertise that is involved to drive the innovation. In most cases, when these ideas come through, they come through, you know, either people who are already involved in entrepreneurship or people who are just involved in development. And so there is need to look at uh, what kind of expertise can be able to drive the kind of innovation that comes to the market so that it has proper, appropriate and sustainable impact. Then the third item about it is how does the market receive innovation? How do the people benefit? How does it become an household product or an household solution that uh, creates, you know, better livelihood? So, so those three aspects have been very critical in my experience about innovations and trying to foster innovation in markets that are very diverse. You know, context is a very important factor across the three items which, which I have mentioned. But then these challenges are... Um, very regular. Some of them are not uh, getting solved as fast as we expect to do them. And a critical one is about capital and the cost of innovation. Innovations are trials. And so in many cases, from a private sector perspective, it is not very easy to continuously put resources in trials that are taking a bit longer to achieve the end game. So Definitely, at some point, there can be financing fatigue, and more so from a capital point of view, 
considering that the initial outlay of certain costs are high, you know, there is a lot of uh, development that needs to happen before the solution or the product or the service actually uh, shows up and gains uh, commercial traction. So, so that has been a limitation. It is not a limitation because of how much of the dollars or the Kenya shillings are in the market to be able to support this, but it is about the appropriateness, the relevance of the tools of capital support and investment. Are they tailored to be able to support innovations? Are they patient enough? Is it affordable? What's the ease of access so that innovative ideas and products reach the market as quick as they can create the most reliable impact. That's a big challenge in the market even currently. And, and that's part of the reason you hear in Kenya and other parts of the world, you know, small and medium enterprises are in all cases underfunded, you know, small and medium enterprises being the most relevant vehicles for, uh, you know, grassroots community growth still face capitalization challenges. Uh, and because in most cases, these innovations begin as startups and early stage uh, endeavors yeah, that, that entrepreneurs drive. The other aspect of the challenges in fostering innovation is about the risk involved. Yeah? Early stage ventures and enterprises and products are associated with a particular risk that does not allow commercial partners to be able to come in as early as required. And if they do, the cost of capital is usually very high. And that is not affordable to most of the innovators and most of the early stage entrepreneurs and most of the, you know, the startups. There is a need at some point and a continuous need to be able to de-risk the innovations, to be able to show that even though they are risky now, the potential to grow and gain market traction and create sustainable impact is there. And so the difference between putting money now and putting money later on is just patience. It's not a loss factor, it's, it's patience. And of course, I have mentioned about the slow establishment and the growth of, you know, innovative endeavors. Finally, is, you know, the market responds differently to different products. So in certain cases, it is not a straight line. It is not very linear that, uh, you know, innovations, you know, startup enterprises, early stage enterprises would hit the road and then begin to make commercial sense for that matter. You know, the discussion now is around how does the private sector get involved in um, activities and market activities and enterprises that are creating sustainable impact, not only creating better margins for investors, but are creating socioeconomic and environmental impact. And, and one of the critical things is that uh, failure is a no-go zone. What it means to several investors is that you are going to lose your money. You are not going to get your returns. And when you don't get your returns, you are not going to continue being in business as an investor, as a lender or something. So it's very important to define investment vehicles, it's very important to define investment mechanisms, including the tools and the appropriateness of those tools to be able to address 
failure. To be able to address failure, it is not only about capital. So it's also about the incremental strengthening of capacities of innovators and the enterprises involved to be able to respond to market challenges other than availability of money. So, you know, bring expertise on board, be able to brand properly, be able to sell the product properly, be able to manage the logistical requirements, yeah, from a planning point of view, to be able to set up proper governance that is attractive to, to follow on partnership and support. Uh, those ones cannot only be settled with money. So there is need to always provide business growth support alongside capital so that we address failure. Yeah? But then that does not guarantee that a given percentage of the innovations that come into the market will not fail. So the greatest part of it is uh, the failure to restart. When you have faced challenges, you have not been able to achieve uh, the most desired growth path. You as an enterprise or as an innovator, as an entrepreneur, you have failed. But you only don't succeed when you have failed to restart. So most importantly, the knowledge and experience that has been gathered through the entire development and growth of the innovation is very important to drive the next stage of that innovation, even if there could be certain failures. So the message to innovators, the message to entrepreneurs is that it is not a sin to fail, but it communicates differently on the failure to restart when you face significant challenges that are actually closing down your business or halting your innovation. I think it's a really very interesting points for the entrepreneurs and the people that are listening to us. So you have discussed about the need for funding, the capacity building, and also the, the acknowledgement that the, the, the failure. So and now... I want to ask who can act as a, a catalyzer, somebody that can help entrepreneurs. And here comes Klenia Climate Ventures. Can you explain a bit about your role and the work that you are doing in fostering innovation in critical area in Kenya? Let me give you a bit of background. When we were growing up in the villages in Rusinga, where I come from, there was a sense of, of community responsibility. And uh, we grew up knowing that... Uh, the same way you respect your immediate family and the same way you interact with your immediate family is the same way you are expected to interact with the community at large. So nurturing one as a child is also a responsibility beyond, you know, just the nuclear family. It is a responsibility of the extended family and it is also a responsibility of the community. And that is the same way innovations are nurtured. The entrepreneur and the enterprise are just the very first immediate actors. The other actors are actually supposed to provide additional support in terms of now capital. The other actors are supposed to provide a conducive environment, you know, the public sector to provide a conducive environment for these innovations to thrive. And the other actors are actually, you know, consumers, customers who actually now test the market and say, this is an appropriate solution. We want to continue consuming. And within this supply and value chain, 
there are also benefits created. So you will find suppliers of different components that are required by the innovators and enterprises. You'll find people who are also getting certain business opportunities. That is the ecosystem. And in such an ecosystem in Kenya, for instance, there is Kenya Climate Ventures. Having been in the market for the last five and a half years, has um, managed to drive its vision to an extent that uh, year in, year out, early stage and growth stage entrepreneurs and enterprises have been able to benefit from the services that increase chances of communities and markets to be able to be resilient to effects of climate change. We are, in a sense, accelerating access to climate smart solutions in the market, but then we are doing this through private sector, through early and growth stage enterprises who are year in, year out, benefiting from capital and business growth support. Very tailored, customized business growth support, which increase their chances of success. So at Kenya Climate Ventures, our key principle and belief is that commercial success of an enterprise will enable and foster sustainable transformative impact in communities or other target markets. So when we intervene with the commercial support, when we intervene with patient capital, when we intervene with the appropriate investment tools, affordable convertible debt and equity for certain enterprises, then we are able to be part and parcel of these businesses and support them to grow. So as they continue to service the facilities and the investments that we have to provide for them over a prolonged period of time, usually between five to seven years, very patient, communities continue to benefit. Communities continue to be resilient to effects of climate change. And I tell you, we have done this in several sectors, you know, agribusiness, renewable energy, commercial forestry, waste management, which is now otherwise defined as uh, the circular economy, and the water sector as well. That um, private sector early stage and growth stage enterprises are our vehicle for sustainable growth and resilience of communities. Wonderful, Victor. It's very, very interesting. And I'm sure also my curiosity now is to see how this vehicle no, has worked and how you have achieved and some of the impact story that you can uh, discuss with us. We have been in the market for the last five and a half years. Three and a half years of those have been a pilot phase for Kenya Climate Ventures. So in a way, we leaped through the, the startup phase and now into our early growth stage phase. And, and during this period, we have been able to work with um, and invest in uh, 20 enterprises here in Kenya. All the 20 enterprises, I must say, are mostly targeting, you know, uh, rural markets, uh, you know, peri-urban markets, you know, humanitarian markets, uh, the, the, the refugee market in northern Kenya, uh, the arid and semi-arid markets in, uh, in the northern frontier, northern Kenya. And uh, the diversity of the target markets is a rich value of the kind of impact that we want to see. So 
whenever we work with enterprises, we would always want to see how does it create transformative change and resilience of a pastoralist community in Northern Kenya, for instance, right? How does it contribute to the resilience of communities that are surviving out of the blue economy, both you know, around the freshwater bodies and also in the marine ecosystems in the coast? So, so it's very diverse. I will share with you certain examples of, of enterprises, you know, that we have supported and what kind of change they are driving. So I will start with the one you know better, which, which is Systema Bio, which has been in our portfolio for the last four years. And uh, this is an incredibly, a very important player in the growth of communities. So the company and the enterprises is actually working with small older farmers who are mostly in the dairy sector supporting them to access affordable biodigester solutions right now including accessories that they can use and uh, be able to generate their own clean energy for household use what happens is that uh, there is um, a lot of energy security so at household level these households no longer go to the forest to cut down trees to be able to burn into fuel this Households are uh, able to plan for their own energy consumption because of the installations. These households are able to save money because this company has structured pay plans, which actually ensure that households own the assets as they use them. And eventually, then the households are able to be more dependent on themselves because there is a new asset in the household. So that's just how diverse the impact that is created by our clients. Now, right now, you know, they have achieved uh, around uh, uh, 6,000 households in the region. And, and that's commendable because 35,000 people are able to access clean energy, reduce on uh, environmental pollution, reduce and mitigate uh, CO2 emissions into the atmosphere, in overall sense, uh, we are looking at a resilient household, an household which is energy secure. So, so that is Systema Bio. We have not been investing alone. So whenever we invest, other investors also put in money. But, but we have to categorically point out that uh, the involvement of KCV is more of a de-risking factor as opposed to... Uh, getting in there to be able to make more money. So our success is based on how, to what extent we have been able to de-risk the, the company. And so other follow-on investors can actually come in to work with the company and, and continue to, to sustain impact. So other than the energy sector, we have also been uh, working on, on agriculture and agribusiness. And uh, in our portfolio is, is a company, Exotic EPZ, is actually, you know, providing primary markets for small older farmers in the macadamia value chain. So they buy uh, macadamia from small older farmers at, uh, you know, market-driven and uh, reasonable prices, add value to it, and then uh, deliver it to the export market. So Exotic EPZ is one of the leading exporters of macadamia from Kenya. Having started working with us three and a half, four years ago, when they were startup and very early stage, this company has been able to reach over 3,000 farmers 
within local communities of uh, you know central uh, central and uh, and eastern regions of uh, of this country just the fact that um, macadamia farmers are able to access the market they are able to get um, reasonable and uh, and uh, competitive prices they are able to earn income continue to do their businesses and also continue to supply the off-taker which is exotic epz is is an interesting factor but just to add one important factor also about exotic epz and uh, and sistema bio that both of them are actually women led enterprises this demystifies the fact that gender inclusion in socio economic investments and private sector development is a very important factor because then we create opportunity for women to be able to drive the growth of these industries yeah? more so in exotic which is actually not only women led but women owned that's an important factor for us uh, the other one i will give you like uh, is about ordinarily someone if you walk into a school in kenya for instance mostly what you would see is that uh, they are uh, burning either charcoal or wood that that's what you would see and and you would see that the pupils and the students meals are prepared out of the two and that every time you see heavy smoke that then pollutes the environment and, and so that is where we start from and uh, you would see that also there is a lot of high costs of acquiring charcoal and and fuel wood think about the health of the cooks and the students look at the financial burden for the parents and the institutions themselves that's a big deal that is something worth looking at from a solution point of view that how does the private sector get involved in solving such challenges and how does kcv come in to support the private sector to be able to deliver on a solution that reduces exposure of uh, people students to that kind of health risk and also ensures that the school benefits from financial savings that they would otherwise spend on another team for example buy more books for example build more classrooms so Three and a half, four years ago, we invested in a company called Acacia Innovations. Acacia Innovations identified the need to be able to recycle wastes that are generated as a result of sugarcane processing into sugar in Western Kenya. So this waste is called bagasse. So they use bagasse, convert it into briquettes that are then sold affordably to. Uh, Uh, institutions that would want to increase their energy efficiency gain savings and be able to reduce exposure of its people to health risks so this is not only helping the schools but it's also about to what extent does it contribute to reduced deforestation so you are aware currently the country is looking at increasing the forest cover from uh, 7 to 10% and that is supposed to happen in the next few years so if you have enterprises that are already contributing to reduced use of fuel 
then, then that's a significant contribution to, to climate uh, responsible and environmentally conscious uh, you know, investments. Yeah. That's one of it. And uh, just to give you a bit of um, statistics here that for every ton of briquettes, for every ton of briquette, about four cubic meters of agricultural waste. So if you are building up a pile of agricultural waste, let's say in the sugar belt, then in your cycle of, of waste management and circular economy and circular operation, then within that value chain, there is this private sector company called Acacia Innovation that is coming in to be able to reduce your burden and cost of managing the waste because then they will use the waste as raw materials. But that is in addition to the fact that every ton of briquette actually contributes to conservation of about 25 trees. And, and we understand the role of trees in carbon sequestration and reduction of, of pollution that would otherwise contribute to all these challenges around the, you know, climate change. And in our portfolio, it is not only Acacia Innovation that does that. We have two other additional, uh, you know, private sector companies that we have supported to do this. One of it is uh, King's Biofuels. It's uh, uh, generating briquettes from, uh, you know, uh, coffee asks and rice asks in Muranga County, uh, Central Kenya. There's also Vuma Biofuels. So while Acacia Innovation is working in, in the western side of Kenya, uh, Vuma Biofuels is working in Migori County and Transmara to be able to offload the sugar sector wastes that are in that area. Then I would not stop without telling you about um, an interesting company based out of Eldoret that is supporting small older farmers, small older chili and vegetables to gain markets and transform chili into marketable products like paste, like powder, transform indigenous vegetables into dried and uh, preserved yeah, for both the local and, and external market. This is Mace Foods Limited. For the last uh, two and a half years, you know, uh, KCV has invested in their factory improvement. KCV has invested in their outgrowers improvements. KCV has invested in their governance to be able to, you know, provide sustainable markets for smallholder farmers. And uh, noting that Chile is actually drought-tolerant crop, this is an improvement of market access for farmers that are in the rurals, not only rurals, but in arid and semi-arid areas as well, areas which are suitable for growing of chili and areas that are suitable for growth of indigenous vegetables. Then the final one is about Northern Kenya. You know, we began by saying that uh, part of my career has revolved around uh, natural resource management. And so, you know, part of the knowledge that I had gathered during that time was actually how communities can derive benefits from nature and uh, how KCV can work with conservation enterprises to be able to deliver value for communities. And this time we are working with On Africa Gums Limited to be able to provide markets to pastoralists who are collecting gums in Northern Kenya, Wajia, Mandera, Moyale, Marsabit, so that they have a market for their gums, but not only a market for the gums, there is also an opportunity for them 
to explore alternative livelihoods to livestock raising. And this is a very important aspect of resilience when it comes to you know, uh, income resilience and the ability of communities to diversify on their sources of income and therefore be a lot more resilient to effects of climate change, more so during the time when uh, the climate is so ash for livestock rearing and so they have to thin down on their stock. They have an alternative source of income, which is, which is the gums. So for the last two years now, we have invested in that company to be able to drive that kind of impact and be able to demonstrate in the northern frontier that there is an alternative source of livelihood that can be relied on. So uh, those are some of the examples I can give today, but there is a whole host of you know, 20 diverse enterprises and value chains that we have invested. Victor, I am impressed. Some of them I know, and I think we will need to also discuss more because it's part of, of the, the everyday work I'm doing. It's wonderful, the diversity and the impacts you are having in communities, in critical areas, and especially the one in the north. It's really impressive. I want to ask, what is the future? You say now you have been five years, and I see now your catalytic impact is really making transformation in Kenya. What is the future for you? And how you can even more and more uh, foster innovation and investment at the grassroots level to solve this uh, crisis? The vision of KCB remains. We still want to increase access to climate smart solutions, to markets, and to communities that, that deserve and require that kind of support. We will continue to work with um, private sector companies at their early and growth stage to be able to, to foster this kind of uh, development. We are currently midway a four-year strategy that is running up to 2023-2024. But that is not the end of KCV. So KCV is uh, an institution. KCV is an impact venture fund that is in, in the market to stay. We are looking at reaching an additional 40 enterprises in the next two years. Our portfolio will have grown to 60 enterprises. So for early and growth stage companies uh, that uh, are interested in working with KCV, uh, could just as easily go onto our website and then apply for, for investment. So that's just how simple it is. Go to our website, you find a portal, uh, an application portal, click it, put your information, put your documents, we will review and you will progressively see how we are continuing to review your investments and thereon we communicate from time to time. We are looking at investing an additional around 20 million USD into the market and, uh, and this will go into uh, you know, the additional 40 enterprises that we are seeking to have in our portfolio and more so we are seeking to expand into the region. Not only Kenya, there will be additional investments that would actually go in, into other countries in East Africa. And uh, now that we have perfected the model of climate financing for early and growth stage enterprises, we are looking at crowding in more uh, co-financiers into this um, business, into this ecosystem, and be able to leverage additional capital from investors who are uh, able to support business expansion, investors who are patient enough to see 
early stage and growth stage businesses grow, investors who value impact and investors who look at commercial and financial sustainability as a stepping stone to sustainable impact while they also recoup their returns within an, an appropriate tenure that allows these businesses to grow. So, so that's KCB going forward. Very interesting, Victor. I, I think that's a very interesting way forward. And I think we also have to discuss something there because I can see the huge potential that your work is having impacting community and the everyday life, especially people at the grassroots level. Now, I want to ask you the final question after this wonderful episode. What is your final message for the people worldwide that are listening to us? My final message for the world listening is that private sector involvement in community and market resilience, especially in areas that are critically affected by climate change is important. Enterprises that are involved in these businesses to be able to create change through commercial interventions need support and need appropriate support. So the only way to be able to create meaningful climate resilience is to be able to continuously invest in uh, vehicles like Kenya Climate Ventures, who have demonstrated a workable mechanism on how private sector can be involved to deliver transformative climate resilience. Thank you. Thank you so much, Victor. It was a very insightful episode. and really rich in content. I'm, I'm really, really grateful. Thank you. Thank you so much, Victor. It's been a real pleasure. Are you satisfied after this wonderful episode? Let's continue together our sustainability journey.